0: Hello, and welcome
1: to this first Feisty Soul Circle live Zoom call. Um, I'm just starting a little bit later than I had planned, waiting for people to come. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining me. If you're watching the recording, I'm grateful that you're here too. I hope this helps you just as much as it would if it was live. Uh, It's going to be a little bit of me talking and a little bit of me sharing PDFs tonight, but first, I wanted to do a land acknowledgement. So, I just wanted to show you, if you're new to land acknowledgments, I want to share my
0: screen so that you um, can see where I get my information from. Oops sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm a little bit slow right now. (laughs) Okay,
0: let's get organized.
1: It's been a while since I've done this. So there's a few links today, Um, I'm going to be taking you to the native land section. And uh, let me just copy. So I can put it in the link in a second. So this is a really cool website, some beautiful souls have gone to a lot of work to collect and gather all the information. Um, so when you go to the main page, you just you t- can type in your address. <clears throat> and there's a whole bunch of other information. This is actually just for the territorial acknowledgement because I just want to acknowledge that uh, my ancestors did not originally live on this land and we came by this land by very unjust colonial practices. This land was originally the homeland
0: and and continues to be the homeland of the Hadanasani Oh, you know what they've added some new ones, and I apologize
1: because there are two new ones added um, and I don't know how to pronounce their names so i'm going to leave them and let you read um, this little section: the Mississauga of the credit first nation and the Mississauga. And then you can also link and learn. uh, More about the treaties that were supposed to be honored and acknowledged. And of course, we now know with the truth and reconciliation um, that they didn't get acknowledged, right? And we'll talk about that more on another call. Um, but I I just want you to start thinking about the fact that we are more than just uh, Casey Burrard. We are citizens of a global community and this group has not always done things kindly justly compassionately and humanely and that's something that
0: is really important to look at so that being said let's move forward
1: tonight i wanted to talk about how to fill up your cup so that we can be in the now with ourselves and with others oh my god would you believe this (laughs) these guys just hatched tonight and my daughter helped me set up the lights and while she was doing that she's like don't worry they won't come and bug you (laughs) these are stick stick bugs which by the way are not native to guelph (laughs) they are native to another country but they were got here these colonial practices on boats in people's foods and that sort of thing and I have to laugh I said to my daughter um, when I drew my year of cards which is something I do to take care of myself and fill up my cup um, for my body I drew coyote medicine and that is trickster medicine but for February (laughs) I have to laugh because tonight has just been like one little goofy thing after another that has been super funny. Um, The other is the whole week riding this roller coaster of will I get a migraine? Will I not get a migraine? Will medications work? Will all my other tricks and strategies work? And so we'll see how long I last on this. It's why I'm having a hard time reading because my migraine symptoms don't cooperate with my eyes. So I apologize to all the people, the indigenous people who lived on this land if I did not pronounce your name's right my brain is not connecting phonetics right now so filling up our cup i want to acknowledge that most of us know the basics first of all and i think that's really the problem right now we know the basics we need to eat well we need to drink water we need to sleep well so that means seven to eight sometimes up to 10 or 12 hours, depending on who we are. We need to move our bodies, whether that's formal exercise or informal exercise, walking counts, sex counts, going to classes counts, running, jogging, skating, hula hooping, chasing your kids around the house, going up and down the stairs, doing laundry. Um, All of these things are really important to move our body and get ourselves connected back into the now. We need quiet time. So in the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, people know quiet time as meditation typically or going to a yoga class. I also count quiet time as just snuggling and breathing or sitting in front of a fire or going for a silent walk, anything that just calms what's going on in your brain and allows you to be present. We need connection time with ourselves with our friends, with our family, with our partner or lover. Or if you don't have a lover, I I wanna add the importance of the fact that you need to connect with yourself in a way that is tender and loving and kind. You need, really importantly, connection with nature. A lot of people miss this. I'm out often in the afternoons and evenings at times when people who work like a typical workday could be out and I have all this beautiful land by the river uh, open and free and it's just me and my dog or me and my kids and people are out there, you know, watching the sunset. If you're not out at night, maybe you're out in the morning, but getting out and I don't just mean like walking on your sidewalks now especially two years into the pandemic it's really 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 important to be going to trees and to water and to earth like real earth grass and meadows and I think that's all we have here in a little old Ontario maybe you can get to a mountain Uh, not, not so much in Ontario I think the people who have real mountains call them hills here excuse me, I'm having ginger tea. Ginger is excellent for um, cluster headaches and migraines and for balancing our stomach and digestive system. In case you didn't know, that's my traditional Chinese medicine background coming in. So I wanna encourage you to get out in nature. Honestly, even once a week, if you could go, to your local conservation area, borrow someone's dog. I have to say my dog makes me enjoy nature even more. He does think I'm a little strange when I go and wrap my arms, like literally I wrap my arms or lean into trees. And I try and imagine getting my strength from them. I try and imagine connecting with them and their wisdom. I, like I pick ones that my arms, you know, so they've been here on the earth for at least 50 years. I try and imagine all the things they've seen, all the strength they have, all the storms they've weathered and passed and lived through, all the babies they've made, all the sadness and joy and pain they've witnessed as people and animals. And I don't know if there's anything else that walks by, maybe fairies and who knows, maybe those aliens. Let's just like let our imagination go wild right now. So, nature is really, really important. And those are sort of like the basic seven or eight things that we all hear over and over, right? That we need to do. I'm going to bet, though, that these are not working. If you're doing them all, I'm going to bet that they're not working the way you want them to. And I'll tell you why, because I have heard that from all my clients over the last six months. People who started out very enthusiastic at the beginning of the pandemic very hopeful, very raw, raw, or very let's set up a routine, let's get things going, are all starting to feel drained. My high performance clients, the ones who have unlimited energy, it seems, unlimited enthusiasm, unlimited zest for life, are all like running at half, if not more. One of my high performance people said that they were running um, maybe at 20%. And I've been using the analogy of a cell phone. And if you have background running apps that are draining your battery or programs that are running that you don't really know are running, that is going to ruin your cell phone. It's gonna make your battery not last long. It's gonna make you not be able to do stuff. So that is what COVID, the pandemic is like for us humans now. Most of us have never lived through a tragedy like this, a trauma like this
0: in our lifetimes.
1: Or we don't remember. You know what's interesting is is just like childbirth when something um, challenging happens, your body has a way of uh, bathing you in good hormones and neurotransmitters that let you see in hindsight the beauty of the situation and not remember the pain. And I promise you That will be the case for this, but we're not there yet, okay? And I really want to. Okay, I'm skipping ahead, but I just want to bathe you in compassion right now. I want to bathe everyone in compassion right now. We are doing hard things, as Glenn Glennon says, uh, Glennon Doyle, (laughs) who wrote Untamed. Okay, the stink bugs are going to be highly entertaining tonight. I think, (laughs) Ah, alas. It'll keep me in the now. So let's get back to the fact that most of us, our battery is not charging the way it used to, or it's draining faster than it used to. If you don't like this analogy, some people really like the analogy of having like a full cup and, you know, unlimited water to go and get or coffee or whatever your favorite beverage is. And the cup is draining faster than our resource for it is filling it up. And and that's why people are feeling tired and getting more angry. And if we aren't putting these practices into place on a very basic level, that's why violence is happening. That's why illogical thinking is happening that's that's why people are dividing into us and them Um, for those of you who have taken some of my more advanced courses you know I talk a lot about the power and control paradigm I'm just going to talk a little bit about it right now but the power and control paradigm really wedges us into a system of I call it like a the power triangle um, psychology calls it the drama triangle this has been around for a long time it's where you get stuck. You're either in a victim, persecutor or rescuer role and you can't seem to get out of it. My brain was just pausing to think if I had included this in any of my free content and I don't know that I've talked about it. So I'm going to go a little bit more into it. If you want a deeper dive, I'm going to be putting out my Applied Mindfulness 101 course again, um, probably in March or April. I just need to rerecord it and make some tweaks from the first beta test. So in that, the, the, this core concept of the power and control paradigm, which really is looking at a very ego-based, so just third chakra, just our ability to act and have power over energy. And you you never actually have the ability to move anywhere. My One of my first therapists, I was like 18, she, use the analogy of in that triangle we're all like pulling on elastic bands and that if you're all pulling at the same pressure the dynamic never changes so someone literally has to drop an elastic band and march on their own way before the triangle will change in my version of the power and control paradigm the image that i like is actually jumping into the middle it's more like a trampoline Or a cannonball shooter, and you get to jump into that and jump over into the unwavering love—a sort of boundaries paradigm—and you get to be the hero of your own story. And that's where all the zest is. You get to create a sort of boundaries. You get to know what your needs are and your values and how you want to move forward in life. It's really good and juicy, and and being in your power is super huge. Along with this paradigm, I add in my three core principles. Now I do have a free course on this. uh, So I'm going to review it now and you can always go back and look at it on my website if you want to. And I will add some information into the
0: chat as well. So just to review, my three core principles
1: are stay in your own business. Now, the good news is this is so easy because there's only three types of business. There's your business, there's their business, and there's God's or the universe's business or whoever or whatever you think makes it rain, gets babies here on their due date and generally controls you know, our earth spinning on its axis, the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the cool thing about this too, is that you only have three choices and we know you're not in the one where you're in your business if you're suffering. So all you have to remember with this one is, am I suffering? Get back into my own business. Well, how do you do that? Number one, it takes mindfulness. So we kind of interchange these once we know them we mindfully get back in the now. And I've got lots of strategies on my YouTube channel and some free resources on my website into how to get into the now. Tonight, we're just talking about basics of self-care that help us stay in the now and help us get back to the now. Um, Just trying to think if I wanna go any deeper into that. So the second principle is mindfulness and it's being in the now. Oh, I know what I wanted to add you'll know you're not in the now, because you'll be suffering again. And you're either suffering in the future, you're worrying, you're anxious, you're thinking about what could happen. uh, And it's not pleasant, right? In the now, if you're thinking about the future, and you're excited about it, thinking about the future is like, oh, how do I plan for this? Like when I went to go write down the list of all the things that I wanted to talk about tonight, that was like a good being in the now and a good thinking about the future. And then um, ironically, (laughs) here's the irony, in my struggle with my migraines (laughs) today, I did get into the future and the worry, will I still have a migraine? Will I be able to keep this session going? Um, How do I cancel if I get in trouble? Um, So all my suffering and what I call dirty pain um, did lean to some clean pain. Uh, where I just got into what was actually going on with me. And then back into the now and made a list of strategies of what I could do if any of those bummer things did start to unfold and unravel as the now kept unfolding, right? Oftentimes, if we just wait in the now and do what the next logical step is, we don't actually ha- none of the things we worried about happen, happened. And uh, that kind of is showing up for me tonight. I was, I, I knew that Um, the adrenaline and the joy of connecting with other feisty souls would allow me to balance my chakra system and at least for the moment, give my body enough uh, endorphins to help with the pain of migraine. So that's exciting. Thank you, all you feisty souls who are here spending time with me on this glorious Thursday night. I really, really appreciate it. And I really, really hope this helps. Um, So let's get back in the now. And in the now, I can also start suffering if I go into the past. Now, I suffer in the past if I am thinking about regrets, right? And then regrets can lead very quickly to depression and hopelessness. And both of these, the future and the past, can lead to inner critic dialogue and outer critic stuff. Like, so you start judging other people. In, instead of feeling the pain of judging yourself, you put it on to other people. Oh my goodness, there's so many ways we can get out of the now. It's like just um, a super interesting challenge of our brain. Uh, I use the cell phone analogy or the computer analogy again for our brain because, it's really important to know that we're kind of like Commodore 64s, right? It takes a long, long time for the wiring in here and in our physiology to recalibrate and readjust, right? So, but we're kind of like operate on, on the, a brand new uh, iPhone, right, where we've got like three different camera functions and all sorts of new apps and uh, amazing technology. And uh, we just haven't been updated, so we have to create these workarounds. And and that's what applied mindfulness teaches, is workarounds for our older operating system.
0: It's a fun fact to know that we have three brains and all of this applied mindfulness
1: stuff, all of this self-care is being done to move us in our frontal cortex and our frontal cortex. This, this is the, like the big part of our brain, you know, that two-sided brain that um, we usually see in pictures is the part of our brain that allows us to do this work. It's the part of our brain that allows us to think, hmm, am I suffering? Am I in the now? You know, where am I on the timeline of life? And right now, most people are not in their frontal cortex. Uh, we're, we're sort of bopping back and forth between our, what's called our limbic system. And our limbic system just wants to know, is it pain or is it pleasure? So that's gonna be my first thing, is that we really need to start restoring what pain is and what pleasure is. Uh, if we don't, And we swing to real extremes, there's really new information out that talks a lot about how the limbic system and you guys probably have heard of dopamine, which is that sort of feel good hormone. Uh, It unfortunately is a drug right and and no different than any drug like the more we have highs and lows, the more our body has to work to like bring us back to equilibrium, and then to get back to the high so spirituality and applied mindfulness and all the chakra work that i do really talks about how to create a more even keel lifestyle and not do this swinging back and forth okay and one of the things that i'm noticing that a lot of people haven't done and you may have yay you if you have but if you haven't and and oftentimes people just don't know that we need to do this The pandemic created a global trauma. And in that tragedy, and with that comes
0: loss, right? This is huge. I spend a whole week on this, on on just on closure and on loss.
1: In my applied mindfulness 101 course because most people don't do this, I still remember this was um, over 10 years ago, and it was the first time I was introduced to this concept, strangely enough. Of having healthy grief. And I want to introduce two really basic basic ways to acknowledge loss and grief. So that you can just start to take the edge off this thing like it's like an elephant in the room that no one knows like we're not identifying it right it's a it's a and it's a collective thing now too. it's not just in an individual thing most of us will have recognized this sense of loss if you have a friend who just got let's say a bad diagnosis, or they just told you that someone in their life who they love died or they lost a job, or they're getting separated or divorced, right? We're used to that flavor of life, of loss. But usually it comes in chunks, right? It doesn't all happen at once. And so for the whole world, it all happened at once. And at least in Ontario, we shut down for two weeks, right? That was unheard of. That is hugely disorienting, you know. um, I know having heard people's stories and walked with people who have had huge loss, it often takes people anywhere from six months to two years to five years to integrate and recalibrate from loss. So I'm just really, you know, like kind of um, like a sea captain going, oh, there's an iceberg. And I, I see the tip of your loss, but I I want you to start acknowledging that there's the bottom. And if we don't like turn your ship to go around it to flip, okay. The analogy kind of drops here, but you, but we can't melt it (laughs) Um, in a perfect world. Maybe we'd melt it and go through it, but we're going to use some workarounds to walk with our loss around um, that bigger sense of loss. So that's the first thing really in mindfulness is to
0: get clear what are my losses since the pandemic began and I just want you to shake a little bit because
1: that may have made you feel heavy in your chest from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective and a yoga tantra chakra perspective grief and loss sit in our lungs, sadness sits in our lungs, and moving it instead of getting stuck in our trauma response is, I don't want to say a better strategy, because you do whatever strategy you're capable of at the time, but I'd like to invite you to try another strategy, right? When you feel your normal trauma response come up or stress response come up, which might be fight, flight, freeze or fun. When you feel those responses coming up, or your autopilot coming up, or your avoidance coming up or your resistance coming up, pause, and just shake yourself back into the now. And say, Yeah, I'm gonna sit with Casey for a minute. And I'm just going to ponder and make note for later. I want to sit with this a little bit longer with my journal or in meditation or by a river. I'm going
0: to sit with this a little bit and go, what did I lose with the pandemic happening? Think back
1: to March, you know, April, May, 2020. Um, and maybe you didn't feel those losses then, like maybe that's when you put on your happy face and you thought, we're going to get through this, it's only going to last two weeks, or it's only going to last a month, or that sort of thing, right? That's the bargaining of loss, just for the record. <laughs> or maybe you got caught up in the anger of it. I can't believe this is happening. This is so unfair. Um, trying to think what anger would do if you're angry I know I got angry because I was just ready to start dating and I thought I'm going to be single for forever and I did all these anger walks of walking with the so anger is a part of grief which is a part of loss and I would do walks you know letting my brain bargain and be angry and stomp around you know this the sadness of like it's not safe to talk to people this is when we didn't know what was safe or not safe it's not um safe for me to expose myself to new people because of my kids and i really had to reckon with like who will i be if i can't date and how will i transform this okay so that that's a way to mindfully look at loss is to to make a list of all the things that you were hoping to do in the next month the next year now we're into two years now everyone's going what the heck um, another new loss we've had is I think people thought that vaccinations were going to be the be all and the end all, and they were going to just wipe out COVID, and uh, didn't quite work that way. So that's a loss, right? We have to recalibrate. Um, in Ontario, our leaders, are and in Canada, like they're still trying to figure things out, and and they're doing that day by day in the moment as new information comes. Um, that's another challenging loss in the pandemic. Is that our sense of control has disappeared. Our sense that things are stable and will be the same and will unfold as we expect them to is huge. You may have had loss with your children. You know, if they were they were taken out of school, you may have hoped that they would go to prom or they would go to a graduation or they would go and do trips or any number of things. You personally may have had huge plans for the coming years. You may love to travel. You may love to go to restaurants. You may love to talk to uh, friends in person and do big group activities like concerts and performances and movies. And all of those may be pushed aside. The list just goes on and on. I'm trying to touch on um, as many as I can. Of course, I have my own biases as to what losses I had. And I really want to just say humbly that I, I have a good imagination, but I won't be able to verbalize all of the losses that happened in this pandemic for people. I know over the pandemic, that deaths have happened and that hospitalizations have happened and illnesses have happened and people have not been able to be taken care of and receive care and grieve the way we normally would, the way we have culturally been taught to do all of this stuff and that is really hard. That drains us, right? Having to reinvent new things when we're already going through a collective trauma, and now we're going through our own individual trauma or community trauma. It's very, very intersectional and very interconnected. All of these things from an archetypal, an ancestral, a systemic, cultural, community perspective. So, so okay. I am going to bring in compassion. gonna do a whole like talk in like 10 minutes but (laughs) i'm gonna do it now uh compassion is one of the hardest topics to talk clients and friends into and i've worked very hard over the last i would say i probably learned about compassion obviously when i first started studying yoga but i don't think i really understood until I started studying with Pema Chodron. And Kristen Neff is now a huge leader. Um, She's really taken it and turned it into really digestible information. N-E-F-F is her name, her last name. You can just Google her. And she has a lot of information on how to be compassionate with yourself. And really, the way I do that the fastest is when I feel myself suffering I go, oh, like, how would you treat your best friend if she came to you with all these problems that you have right now, with all this pain that you have right now, Casey? Would you? Would her inner critic come out and judge you? Would she beat you up? Would she tell you you sucked? Would she... Um, Let's see, my inner critic comes out when I'm not compassionate, my inner perfectionist, my inner judge, my inner teacher,
0: my inner mean parent, my inner grumpy um, self, my
1: inner failure, my inner like high performing, like you're never, you have to like do this or you'll like be lost to oblivion self comes out. And so I'm not saying this is going to happen right away. It's it's like a practice, right? It's a being aware of the fact that you're suffering, being aware of the fact that your cup is starting to drain, being aware that you're not in the now, and then using the balms or the antidotes or the strategies that work best for you to soothe you so that
0: you can make the most empowered choices that you can in the moment. Okay. Um, so we went over the basics
1: of things that a lot of people are probably already doing the food, water, sleep, movement, quiet, connection, and nature that, you know, the obvious stuff that everyone says, and, you know, we roll our eyes now oh yeah, self-care, you know, oh, I forgot, like, take a bath, (laughs) I don't know about you. Baz aren't cutting it anymore. (laughs) They're, they're like slightly taking the edge off, but I got to add in all these other things. So releasing grief and acknowledging grief is a huge thing. Now I want to give you a strategy that once you do this journaling, you do this talking, you do this sharing and this compassion around the loss. I want you to tell, I want to tell you how to embody it how to let it move through you instead of getting stuck in you. So the easiest exercise that I have to do that
0: is to actually go on forest walks, I call them grief Welcome back. (laughs) I have
1: no idea what just happened, but my whole internet just collapsed throughout the whole house, right as I was talking about grief walks. So let's start over. We're talking about how to release grief, the collective grief um, from the pandemic to help us fill up our cup again. And we just went over how to create a list so that we could understand all the losses that we have faced, and grief of the before experience. Uh, I hear a lot of people saying they want things to go back to normal, and one of the things that I know coaching people and having experienced myself chronic illness and injuries that last a long time, that really the only way to get back in the now and move forward is to grieve that loss. So I'm giving you two strategies. Now I go into deeper death, depth, deeper death. Oh my god, the puns. I'm just embodying coyote medicine It's the trickster medicine, all these Freudian slips, my stink bugs flying around. For those of you who are just joining us, I have stink bugs all over the place. One came and just sat here for a little while at the beginning of this call. Um, so Beyond the basics, which we talked about at the beginning, the food, water, sleep, movement, quiet connection and nature, we need to add releasing grief, being with grief, feeling grief. So that involves facing pain, clean pain. Um, In the mindfulness section of my three core principles, (laughs) Which I'm just remembering I didn't finish the third one, but that's okay because we're not working on it right now. We're not even ready to work on that one quite yet. Although we sort of are. Um, But we're we're trying to get mindfully back into the now. And in the now, a lot of people are facing a lot of grief, but not facing it, and that is draining our battery and our cup faster and faster than we can fill it back up with the basic. Self-care techniques, okay? If you hate this concept, I promise you you are not alone. I have actually told had clients tell me they hate it. They have fought it, but when they go and do it, guess what? It helps them. I hated this. I fought it. I was fortunate to have a wonderful, wonderful counselor uh, to actually coach me through this idea of loss and grief and now that we know what we have lost uh, we're going to go on grief walks five to three hour to however long you need to walk Um, I highly recommend daily especially if you haven't done any of this work before any grief work any loss work I highly recommend doing it daily even if it's for five minutes even if it's for two minutes but out in nature and what you do is you walk with Your pain your clean pain and what's going to happen as you walk and as it moves is um you'll start embodying it as you move and any dirty pain any residual stuff will come up Uh, one of the lovely things and horrible things about the way our brain works is if we feel grief in one area of our life um, we're kind of like a search You know, in a word document where you can go find all and you can type in a word, our brain does that. So when we start feeling grief, our brain, our minions, did anyone see inside out those little things that take the balls and move them around? Our brain goes and finds any loss we have not dealt with. So you may be walking a lot or you may need to give me a call or another counselor or a friend. Uh, Maybe you start a grief walking group as a way to connect. This is a really actually safe way to connect in COVID if you're afraid. Um, Outside, there's oodles and oodles of scientific information now that says that the virus does not do really well outside, especially in this cold. Um, So you you could create a group or you could walk just far apart, right? Because we're actually not, my intention for you on this walk is not to talk. It's not to do anything but be present with who you are and what's flowing through you as you connect with your heart and you connect with your mind and you connect with your being over the losses that you're facing. Now, when you come home and you're done the grief walk,
0: you set that aside, okay? Grief is not meant to be carried all the time. grief is
1: meant to be conscious um now depending on your level of grief it can be more
0: complex than this um and then you really probably want to find a professional or a support group or a
1: coach or contact me through my website because then you need more significant companioning with grief. Being held being witnessed is, is super important in grief, especially if it's really, really big, and you've never done it before. So I like the idea of the groups. Um, in fact, I'm try- I've been considering whether or not I could uh, set up a grief walk that I would take people on I'm still waiting to see if that's where I'm being guided. So new to your roster of ways to fill your cup up are acknowledging through speaking to yourself or a friend or journaling the loss you faced, acknowledging how things are
0: different now, and going on grief walks. That's one section. Now, I want to tell you about some of the background running apps that
1: may also be draining your energy besides grief. There's two big ones. And I've already talked about the details of them, but I want to give you the words so you know. Expectations and judgments. These are the next two things that are draining people's batteries. Like, I cannot even tell you how badly It was one thing when we were judgmental and had expectations before the pandemic started, but now that we're in it and there's so much more to have expectations about and so much more to be judgmental about and so much unprecedented life experience and loss, it's too much. And most of it is um, only rooted in our ego right? These expectations that things should go back to normal, these expectations that science should have known better, these expectations that our leaders should be doing more, these expectations that vaccines should have solved the problem, the expectations, like there's oodles of expectations. I mean, I I, I haven't even talked about it, but like You know, people have expectations of their children, of their spouses, of their neighbors, of the person in the coffee shop, of the um, teenagers, of the 20-year-olds, of the seniors, of the pets, of animals, of... Like the list goes on and on in terms of the people you could have expectations of, right? And that goes back to my first core principle, whose business are you in? Well, if you're in your business, you can decide that you are going to look at what you want to expect from yourself. Not in a mean way, in a kind, compassionate, realistic way, okay? And that actually will round us back to my core principle number three which is knowing your focus okay and your focus is basically what you're working on now one could also say it's your expectations um and you need to be really clear and you need to recalibrate them when a pandemic happens. You need to recalibrate them when a loss happens. You need to recalibrate them when you get a migraine. You need to recalibrate them if you get COVID. You need to recalibrate them if you have a breakup. Uh, you need to recalibrate them if school goes back online. You need to recalibrate. Do you see, do you see how like all these expectations of like this, the path that you thought you were zooming down all of a sudden is like, oh my God, it's like not working out. and and drive it will drive us nuts, will drain our battery. So um, that's why I bring my expectations only to myself. And I start with looking at what my core values are in terms of expectations, because then I can live out of them. I'm working on an enrichment class to help you do that, to figure out what your values are. You can even Google figuring out my values, my core values. Um, I did this when I was about 20, and I've lived them ever since. Uh, Mine are connection, family, friends, and the world, health, and spirituality. And I got to tell you, having those as grounding lighthouses for me really makes a difference in how I choose what I do in the now mindfully. And it allows me to stay in my own business because I know what it is. I know what fills
0: me up and what makes me want to keep being present in the world. So you can see, or I I hope you can sense that if I'm
1: in my own business, if I'm in the now and I know what my focus is, what my values are, then I don't have to worry about anyone else. I can just show up and meet them and I can hear what their expectations are. And then we can talk about them, right? We can talk about what their focus is. We can talk about what we wanna to create together. We can talk about what we wanna do. And I gotta say, this is magic. I could, go, I could do a whole nother thing on that um, specifically, but I wanna start, because we gotta start small, right? If, if you do everything all at once, you're gonna drive yourself ballistic. Um, it's just not possible. But just start with trying to drop the
0: expectations of anyone else outside yourself? <laughs> There's my little just mic drop, you know? Like, what would happen if you just took what people gave you as information? What would happen? And then through your own expectations and your own value
1: system and your own focus, your own business, you then responded to what was actually alive, not to the expectations of what you thought was going to be alive, or what you thought was going to happen, but to what was actually here in the now. I had an awesome opportunity to do this uh, on the weekend. I had made plans with a friend and they changed them and then they were late and I, when they changed them, I was like, oh, no problem. That gives me more time to do whatever. Um, so that was a quick readjustment when they were late. I had a moment of going, oh, are they hurt? You know, I didn't hear from them. Um, I had to do a little bit of finessing to get back into the now, right? I, I had to think to look forward to go, oh, what, what could be happening? So I checked through my list, And I checked in with my intuition and I got, nope, just wait. They're on their way. You don't have to do anything. Just stay where you are. So I did some extra training with my dog. It turns out my neighbors were like walking down the path that I was waiting on. And I got to meet with them. My dog got to get some more socializing, which has been really hard in uh, the pandemic to get. And so I was like, Oh, this is great. This is amazing. Um, And I, I think I enjoyed it more because I had released my expectation that the person should show up when they should and that things should be happening in a different way than I wanted them to. Um, Which takes me to my second point. I'm going to ask you to release judgments too. Now, this is really nuanced, right? Could have brought in judgments in that moment. Oh, they're late. What a jerk. Oh, they're late. They must not care about me. Oh, they're late fill in the blank with your judgments. I'm sure y'all had uh, feeling when you heard that my friend was late, right? We, we all do it. Our, our brain does go to expectations and judgments first. Um, it's one of the reasons I recommend meditation up in that quiet section of self-care is because sitting in meditation allows you to watch the thoughts coming and going. And, and in that watching, you realize that the thoughts aren't you. They're just coming and going all the time. Like, even as I'm talking to you, I can hear my inner critic. <laughs> I can hear my um, reflective self. I can hear my inner, like, cheerleader. I can hear my inner, uh, there's a part of me that's like a perfectionist that's, you know, oh, mostly in recovery, but not always. And so, you know, she's sitting there going, oh, are you doing a good job? Uh, I have my inner imposter who just thinks this, I just suck at all of this <laughs> they're very loud (laughs) and so I have to just tell them to go and like leave me alone right now and I'll talk to them later like right now right just then they they were like oh my god Casey your eyes look so tired you should really just stop (laughs) like that's how lovely my inner imposter uh syndrome judge is so uh, like I watch all that in my thoughts and I just go no I'm here with other feisty souls who want to fill up their cup, who want to be present, who want to help themselves, and they want to have energy to help themselves and the world and their community and the people they love. So that just like clears the space so that I can be present with you now. So that's an important point. Like when we look at releasing these things, which are spiritual concepts, it does not mean that they won't keep happening. And this is perhaps the frustrating thing. This is where if we could go and program our brain, we'd sit on the our brain computer and we'd go, okay, next time, don't even feel judgment. But that's actually not good, right? Because some judgment is really helpful. Like it's really important to, if our inner intuition feels like a judgment that a person is unsafe, we should probably listen to that or at least check it out, right? Um, one thing I've managed to do in my brain is separate the difference between judgment and observation. And that was how I moved from sort of getting things wrong and having my biases get in the way and stop me from being in the now and stop me from really seeing clearly what was going on, right? So even in the like, that person's dangerous, I could then go into my observational self and I could go, do they have any weapons? Have they said anything mean to me? Is this just my gut instinct, right? And I can check back in with what my business is. The judgments make me fiery. They make me scared. They trigger my fear, shame and guilt, right? They trigger all those fight, flight, freeze responses and fawn responses um, that don't bring me joy. So to help release these background running apps, these are the strategies. Consciously say, I'm gonna get curious. I'm gonna be open-minded. I'm gonna be open-hearted to see if I can observe if i can be in the now if i can notice when i'm suffering and come back to my own business and look at my focus now you're going to be disappointed here i don't normally give this advice but in the pandemic our our expectations of ourselves and our focus is going to be very different
0: most people will not be able to get as much done as they normally do all the things our mammalian brain relies on
1: have pretty much disappeared, right? That's like, we're bringing them back slowly, but it's going to take time for that to nourish us enough for us to fill up that like um, backup cup. (laughs) I want to say backup generator now. So be patient, be gentle, be compassionate, be compassionate with yourself, be compassionate with others. You're being called very deeply to be
0: in the now, excuse me, to be present. And in a very new way, to learn about and to trust
1: the cycles of nature and the flow, our culture,
0: has been deeply grounded in a colonized way of
1: living, which is a very linear way of living. Um, Since the industrial revolution, especially we've become even more linear and more grounded in time and calendars.
0: And COVID is like, no, 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 no computer program is going to let you figure
1: out the projection of this virus. No, um, no amount of bargaining, no amount of trying to control things is going to let you fix this super fast. So we need to settle into, again, our own focus, based on this new normal We have to grieve what we've
0: lost.
1: If you're still with me, I'm so happy to have you here, whether you're live or in the
0: recording. We have all lost something through this last two years. Can you grieve?
1: Can you walk with yourself? Can you reconnect with what your new focus is? What your new business is?
0: Nothing will ever be the same again. And to hold on to that is to hold expectations and judgments that will only cause you pain. And I promise you, I know this is hard. I know. Being not in the now is much harder, way harder and way less fun. Trying to avoid
1: these feelings of clean pain, of grief, of loss, of change, of difference. Also prevents you from these moments of beauty, of ecstasy, of synchronicity, of spontaneity, of divine timing, of all sorts of wonderful things that you miss when you're fighting and clawing to get the past back. Like you're, you're doing this and there's n- you, can't, <laughs> you can't do this thing and
0: be walking forward. Okay. The other thing that I thought people might find interesting, and it's linked to this
1: idea of filling up your cup, is another theory called spoons theory. And you can Google this too. I apologize, my migraines this week did not let me do much computer work. Um, So all the links that I had hoped I would have uh, are not all there. But spoons theory is, was invented by people with chronic illness. And it's this idea that we're only given so many spoons in a day. Uh, People who are, identify as healthy have unlimited spoons. But people with chronic illnesses don't. And they might have 20 spoons in a day. And every time you do something, it takes a spoon. So if you make breakfast, there's a spoon. If you take a shower, there's a spoon. If you have a conflict with your neighbor, there's a spoon. If you have to work all morning, there's five spoons. Uh Uh-oh, what are we down to? We're down to, I think, nine. We have one more left in the 10. Um, And then let's say we have to make lunch again. Okay, and we have 10 more. And you have to discern what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And in my experience, it's better to make peace with that, right? Through the concepts that we've just talked about over the last hour and a bit, so that you can really consciously focus on your spoons and what you want to do with them, okay? Your life, what you want to do with them. We have no control over what Doug and Justin do. We have no control over whether science is doing the studies we want them to do. We have no control over um, vaccine patents. We have no control over the hospital systems. You know, all these things that we don't have control over. Um, We do have control over staying in our own business. We have control over being mindful and we have control over using that mindfulness to create a focus, to create a purpose in the now, in the present with how things truly are now, okay? So I hope these ideas help. Uh, there might not be what you expected to hear. Um, they are strategies I've learned over the last 10 years that I've offered to oodles of my clients who I promise you, they did resist them. I even had a few say, I hate you right now, Casey. Um, But who, when they did actually do this, these practices, it helped them immensely and they don't go back. Now they, now they remind me, oh yeah, I went on a grief walk and I'm like, oh, they did it. That's so great. You know, they, they're like, they're they're adding it to their toolbox of things that help.
0: Okay. So I just want to go over the basics, food, water, Sleep, movement, quiet, connection with people and yourself, and nature. Basic, basic. Get those things in your life in ways that meet your values, right? Release guilt. Or, oh, no, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um,
1: I'm sorry. Release your grief. Acknowledge the losses that you've had over the last two years. Start taking grief walks. Drag other people out on grief walks. Don't drag them. I'm sure if you talk to them and you share this video or you share the concept, they'll be like, I'm going to try that out. Okay, let's do it. Explore the possibility of releasing expectations of others and the universe and releasing judgments. Just play with that, right? This isn't something we get perfect. It isn't something we remember all the time. There, there are things we dabble in in the beginning. Um, no different than when you go to like lift weights and you're lifting your bicep and you, curls. You're doing bicep. This is a bicep curl. It's my fancy bicep curl. It's horrible. It's bad form personal trainers out there watching this. I apologize. I was a horrible bicep curl. but you start with two pounds. Sometimes I remember when I was weightlifting with kids, I would go and I, I got them like one pound weights because they wanted to mimic mummy and it was so cute. Right. And they would gradually go up to two pounds and five pounds and 10 pounds. And that's what we're doing now. We're exploring these spiritual concepts. We're exploring these emotional concept, we're exploring these physical concepts, and we're adding in the ones that help us. And we're just letting go of the ones that don't help us. And that's all we can do as humans, right? Um, And then that extra little bit of really being aware that now everyone has a finite amount of spoons. So get realistic. That's compassionate. Get realistic. If you only have ten spoons, tell everyone I only have ten spoons. They'll understand. If they don't, ditch them anyway. That's a whole other topic. But you know, not great if people aren't compassionate with you. Okay, I hope this helped. I wanted to remind you that I wrote up um, and created a beautiful. um, (laughs) This is my copy where I was still working on it. A feisty soul bill of rights, uh, and it goes over what I consider to be all of the rights that I've learned through all my spiritual practices over the last. Oh my god, I should do math, 30 years. Um and I want you to have it. Okay. Um I'm gonna leave a link below and you can click there. Uh I think it just takes you straight to it. I'm I i can not remember right now. My my um <laughs> migraine is coming this it's coming here right there. I mean, so good oh my hair looks good I want you to have it okay if you're on the call right now I'm going to leave a direct link in the chat below but if you're not then um, just click it's just like one link away and you'll get it I want to read it to you okay folks feisty soul bill of rights be real The right to be real means knowing you are enough, just as you are right now. Being real means being alive and raw with what is currently your truth, without shame, fear, or guilt weighing you down. You have the right to feel feisty. The right to feel feisty is the right to own and feel the full technicolor spectrum of feelings that exist in the human psyche the positive and the negative and the in-between. And you have the right to express these feelings to other souls who will witness them with tender compassion and love, knowing that feelings are not permit, are not permanent, they are permitted.
0: They are like the weather, ever-changing. You have the right to act resiliently.
1: The right to act resiliently is knowing that to fall, to fail, to get lost, to lose is a normal and predictable human experience. It is the act of being resilient that requires courage, stamina, and deep faith that obstacles, no matter how large, can be overcome. We have the right to love deeply The right to love without judgment and openly. A heart that is full of compassion loves easily. To love deeply also means to grieve wisely, knowing that one of love's gifts is loss. The right to love means honoring the cycles and seasons of the heart while remaining open hearted and compassionate. We have the right to speak compassionately. The right to speak compassionately is the right to hold space and speak our truths. Our truth can be spoken with assertive clarity while holding unwavering love and compassion in our hearts. No can be said easily as well as yes. We have the right to speak both and to change our minds. We have the right to know wisdom. The right to know wisdom is about deeply connecting with the universal truths of the human spirit, the universal archetypes and stories that are shared across cultures and climates, the depth, the deep cellular wisdom that grounds and aligns us when we are connected to it regardless of context. We have the right to live spiritually. The right to live spiritually means to create and pursue your connection with the spirit and growth that lives in you and in turn to honor other souls reflection of their unique spirituality, while looking for the commonality of
0: spirit and soul. I want to wish you many, many
1: blessings on this path and the courage to try some of these new techniques, the courage to face the clean pain, and to integrate it and the courage to embody all of your human rights
0: cheers and blessings have a wonderful rest of your evening